finishing the first part of the Eucharist that we started last week. I consecrate this to our the Sacred Heart of Jesus, to the Immaculate Heart of our Most Holy Mother, in union with St. Joseph. In a special way, we ask for the intercession of tonight's cynical to St. Peter and St. Paul. So last week we finished with number 57, where the Lord asks us to, to look at the situations in our lives and the people in our lives that are most difficult to love. And he tells us that it is in this way that we grow in unity with him and in his Eucharistic life. Today, I'd like to begin by going to 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. It says, St. Paul says, For the love of Christ impels us once we have come to the conviction that one died for all, therefore all have died. He indeed died for all, so that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. I highlighted for you, no longer live for themselves. As we become a living host like Jesus in the Eucharist, we live more and more for God, with God, and for others. Jesus in the Eucharist lives giving himself to us, his beloved bride. Then in, as we move on into Corinthians, in chapter 6, the next chapter, verse 4 through 13, to me it was a painted picture of apostles living those words no longer for themselves. So this is how they lived. And it says, But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. Now, I want to focus on the prepositions because I think they're important. First preposition is through. It says, through great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, tumults, labors, watching, and hunger. How much in Love Crucified do we pray for perseverance, endurance? But it is not enough in order to live for others as one with Christ. We also have to do the next preposition, which is by, by purity, knowledge, forbearance, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, 
truthful speech and the power of God. In the path, we speak a lot about purity, and it is the first word by purity, because purity is of the essence, and that is why Satan, especially in this time of salvation history, has done so much to darken the purity um, through so much impurity, through promiscuity, through pornography, as you know. The second, by knowledge, how much God has stressed in this community as we walk the path, the importance of knowledge. For without knowledge, we cannot be transformed. We cannot repent. We will never change. We will live the rest of our life in our disordered way of life. Kindness together with tenderness. The third preposition, with. With the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. This I'm going to say for another teaching. And then the last preposition, in. In honor and dishonor. In ill repute and good repute. How much in our have we all received also from the Lord letting us know that as victim souls, one with him, we must be willing to let go of our reputation. And then he goes on to say, we are treated as imposters and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing everything. Then the next sentence to me was so important. He goes on to say, our mouth is open to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children. Widen your hearts also. It says a command from St. Paul. Widen your hearts also. And I feel we are so blessed in this community because what does the path do? It widens. It empties our hearts. It stretches our hearts. It widens our hearts. So we are so blessed to have this treasure, this from God, who is showing us how to widen our hearts. I'm going to um, skip the questions. You, you have them. I hope you've been pondering this week these questions. The next part of number 49, the message of the Lord in our path, goes on to say 
I intercede continuously before the throne of our Father for all. My hidden life in the Eucharist is seen by Abba and blessed by him who sees all. The Lord lives hidden in the Eucharist, hidden yet seen by God the Father. In Matthew 6, 4, it tells us, your father who sees in secret will repay you. And then Matthew 6, 18, your father who sees what is hidden will repay you. We must enter the hidden life of Jesus in the Eucharist. The Eucharist and Jesus' sacrifice are one. Jesus suffers completely hidden in the Eucharist. Only Abba sees him and blesses abundantly his continuous agony for us. To become living host, we need to willingly suffer in the hiddenness of our daily lives, the altar of each of our crosses, in the hiddenness of our hearts, whatever the Lord permits in our lives. The teaching in number 49 goes on to say, your ordinary and hidden life through the cross becomes united to my Eucharistic life. That one sentence, Jesus is telling us how. How we enter the cross, I mean, how we enter his Eucharistic life to become one with him. And it is through the cross. That means that as we live our daily ordinary life, sacrificing ourselves in the altar of our daily crosses and uniting them to the sacrifice of the mass, we will, will, my family, become living hosts. There's not a doubt here. We have to live as a community with that assurance. Now I go to the next part of the message. And to me, I've been focused on this part. Here to me lies one of the greatest mysteries of heaven. One of the greatest, the mystery of the cross, the mystery of the Eucharist lies in these words. Listen carefully. Your hidden life takes on the same power as my hidden life because we are no longer two but one. My family, the Lord is telling us that our lives, our hidden, ordinary lives, have the same power, the same power as his. That is amazing. That is mind-boggling. It's so amazing that, I don't know, when did I receive this message? Years ago. And it is now that it is really penetrating my heart. And that's why the path, we will never 
be able to exhaust. It will be with us our whole life. The Lord goes on to say, these are my living hosts. In this union of love, you enter and live in the realm of God. The words of the Mass now, through me, with me, and in me. Your most ordinary life is, is the power of God. Your thoughts, words, deeds. But most especially, your tears and sorrows of heart possess the power of God to bless the world. Your hidden life, not seen by anyone, is seen by God. And through me, with me, and in me, he blesses many. Your life as one with my Eucharistic life moves beyond time and space. This has to be pondered by this community continuously. This is how every mother of the cross and missionary of the cross is called to live as a victim soul. This mystery of the cross is being given to us. We can, we can not only believe it with our minds and say, wow, this is wonderful. This is amazing. But we must receive the gift of this mystery into our hearts. How? Just like we began at the beginning of the path begging the Holy Spirit for the gift of knowledge and what is there anyone in this community that has not received that gift not that I've spoken to we also must come as a community every day to beg the Holy Spirit that this mystery that's being given to us can penetrate and enter and transform our hearts because it is the work of the Holy Spirit that can only do this in us. This mystery of this hidden force, of this union with the Eucharist, of believing that our lives is the power of God in Jesus' Eucharist, must transform our lives, how we think, how we perceive our lives with all its challenges, our understanding, the way we see, the way we love. In our path, in page 226 to 227, the second publishing, we have words from St. Benedicta of the Cross. She, like St. Teresa of Lisieux, St. John of the Cross, and so many more, received the mystery of God, of, the, of this mystery. Listen to the words of St. Benedict of the Cross. 
and compare it to this teaching from our Lord. If you have your path with you, go to page 226. St. Benedicta writes, The world is in flames. The conflagration can also reach our house. How many of us are feeling that in our homes? The darkness has penetrated in our homes. But high above all the flames towers the cross. They cannot consume it. It is the path from earth to heaven. It will lift one who embraces it in faith, love, and hope into the bosom of the Trinity. The world is in flames. Are you impelled to put them out? Look at the cross. She goes on. I'm not going to read it all. You can go back and read it. But we are constantly hearing the sufferings of so many all over the world. And yet the Lord is giving us the treasure, the mystery of how we, in our domestic monasteries, the workplace, in our ordinary lives, can bless so many throughout the world that are suffering. Has this mystery entered the depth of our hearts and transformed us? She says, in the power of the cross, you can be at all fronts, wherever there is grief. Your compassionate love, the love of the divine heart, takes you to every place where the precious blood is being poured, everywhere soothing, healing, saving. Ponder these words from St. Benedicta. I give you this homework this week. United to this message, number 49. Then the last part of that message from the Lord was this. Ponder my Eucharistic life with the Holy Spirit and Mary. Now notice, the Lord doesn't just say, ponder my Eucharistic life. He tells us with the Holy Spirit and Mary. So we need to enter adoration, pondering his Eucharistic life, and we need to invite the Holy Spirit and our Blessed Mother to come to us, to teach us, to grant us the grace to see, to come to know, touch Jesus' hidden life in the Eucharist. I desire for you to help me for many living hosts to shine the light of God and to pierce the darkness. This is our battle cry. This is the mission of this army to help form more living hosts to pierce the darkness of this time. And then the last sentence to me has always been such a blessing. 
because in the most simple way, such a short sentence, the Lord tells us how to grow in holiness. He says, you grow in holiness as your hidden life is lived to greater perfection in my hidden life. That is holiness. And that is confirmed for me in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, number 1374. It says, the mode of Christ's presence under the Eucharistic species is unique. It raises the Eucharist above all the sacraments as the perfection of the spiritual life and the end to which all the sacraments tend. Read that carefully. That's why I highlighted it for you. The perfection of the spiritual life. What is the purpose of the simple path the Lord has given us and through us to the church? Is to make us living host. It's the formation that God wants of his living host. The perfection of the spiritual life is becoming living host. And I end by asking you this question. For those that have been living the simple path for some time, have you come to know Jesus more intimately in his hidden life in the Eucharist? Have you come to love him more intensely in his hidden sufferings in the Eucharist? If not, why? And I put two reasons. I kind of answered that question a little bit. Two things that I, I believe. And one is, if we are still centered on ourselves when we suffer and do not allow the spirit to focus our attention on Jesus' suffering, that'll keep us from advancing in this way. When we suffer more and more, we have to move our attention away from us to Jesus. And the second reason that I feel is that if we do not pray and enter contemplation before the Blessed Sacrament, seeing Jesus through the hardships he is permitting in our lives. The hardships is the pearl that brings us to see Jesus in the Eucharist and how he suffers that same hardship. We have to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal whatever hardship, whatever trial, whatever suffering we are going through, 
on Jesus. And today the gift for this community is Amy's testimony. We were having accompaniment this week and listening to her, I heard a living example of someone in our community that has come to really be more and more a living host. And the Holy Spirit moved her to write her testimony that she's going to share with us tonight. This is like a, a living experience of how the Holy Spirit has moved her to become a living host. Okay, Amy. Well, like Lourdes said, the Holy Spirit just kind of poured this testimony out last night and into this morning after um, her, Lourdes and I talked and she asked me these questions and we really went through it. So I'm just going to read it and you'll understand why as I go through the words. So looking back on all that our dear Lord has been doing in my life over the past year, I am truly humbled, amazed, and even a little bewildered when I think about it. Over the years, there have been many teachings on becoming a living host. But until this year, it was difficult to grasp and seemed almost like a fairy tale of sorts. Something I could grasp in concept, but not believe completely in reality. Our Lord must have laughed at that and said something like, fine, then let me show you. Because this year has been a beautiful, grace-filled, stripping, and painful journey that has been transforming my heart into a living host. The journey my heart has been on to become a living host is rooted in the suffering that has come to my life after the birth of Matthew, a couple of months later through Jack's illness, and now through my own illness. As a month and a half ago, I was diagnosed with chronic neurological Lyme disease that has brought fatigue, struggles with my speech, and word recall. And it has damaged the nerves in my hands, eyes, feet, and cerebellum. I praise God for his beautiful plan that allowed Jack to be sick, not just because it has purified he and I in such profound ways, but also because his doctor has said he will take me as a patient when Matthew is weaned from nursing, an irreplaceable grace in itself because he has such a long wait list. The work the Lord has done with me towards becoming a living host has been rooted in a deep abandonment and stripping of most of what I was used to these past years. It's funny how you get comfortable with something and used to it. And then once it has been taken for a greater good, you realize its value. I wonder sometimes if that is some kind of analogy of Christ's life and death. 
the apostles were so used to Jesus and his presence that they did not fully realize the value he held until he was gone. You see, when Matthew was born, so much of my life changed yet again. As you would expect with a new baby, no sleep, no privacy, no time, giving all of my body through nursing, rocking, snuggling, holding, etc. However, this time around, there was a deeper purification and abandonment of all that my heart desired because Matthew had many health issues that forced me to learn to trust all that the Lord brought, or in this case, took away. I had to learn that there were no guarantees when it came to my family, my life, my kids. Then, six months later, Jack got sick. And once again, more was taken from me, or so I thought. And honestly, how I was looking at it at first. For the first half of the time that Jack has been sick, I kind of lived in autopilot mode. My entire life was consumed with being like a single parent. The daily tasks of raising the kids, taking care of the house, driving everywhere, homeschooling, and taking care of Jack pretty much 24-7 was all that I knew. Honestly, I went through stages of hurt, resentment, and even anger before I could truly see what the Lord was trying to do with me. Again, we can hear the teaching and lesson. Our Lord wants us to absorb a million times, but we will not be transformed until we believe that Christ really, truly wants and needs us. The knowledge of that vulnerability of Christ to actually need me was such a grace because I think that the Lord knew deep down that my heart believed and understood my head just needed to catch up and my heart needed to be unlocked. These past months have been the time that Christ used to finally unlock my heart through so many stages and levels to grow closer to being one living host with him. In the past, I was reading something that Archbishop Martinez spoke of about being a living host. And I'm sorry, I didn't write down the page. Total transformation into a living host requires more. It requires that a human being make the marvelous exchange of his independent will for the divine will by allowing the Holy Spirit to unite him to Jesus in all of his acts. That has kind of stuck with me because to lay down my will required a great stripping of all that I wanted 
and all that I hung on to. It stripped me of my time and my routine. I used to have quiet time to read, pray, and intercede. That is long since gone. Instead, the Lord uses the moments of my day for the same thing. Now, each little moment of my day creates this tapestry of prayer as one heart with Christ as I move according to his will the best I can. By moving in his will, I am able to see things clearer and more quickly. Things like when I am at fault, when I sin, when I am harsh with the kids or with Jack, when I lack patience, etc. It is like wearing the glasses of the Lord. Don't get me wrong. It hurts my heart deeply to see all the times in my day where I fall short or where I am lacking. But it is a huge grace to know at those moments Christ is purifying my weak and still hard heart. My desires have been stripped. At first, I was seeing my life through the eyes of resentment. Resentment that I couldn't do what I wanted, what I was used to. Resentment that I had just gotten Matthew over the hump. And now Jack was sick. Resentment that I still didn't matter and everything was about Jack. And yes, that is my core wound. Resentment that I never got a break and so on and so on. But quietly over the course of these months, Christ has whispered to me, the, to me that it is his desires I need to focus on. And that when I let go of looking at things with that resentment, like it is a bad thing, then he's able to fill my heart with himself. That is a living host. I'm also being stripped of my dependence on hiding behind and even sometimes blaming Jack in our marriage and parenthood. As a husband, and a father, it has been hard for Jack to make decisions, help with the kids, give me opinions and input on daily life, be with the family because of his physical state. Being stripped of his presence for so many months has ironically brought me face to face with the way I've parented in the past and make decisions. I have come to see the places and times when I lack humility and tenderness with the kids. It has been so beautiful to see where in times when I blame Jack very quickly for things that I actually handle the same way. And it has made me see the times I am quick to make judgments and rash decisions without allowing the Lord to work through me first. I have been stripped of my thoughts and my writing. Over the years, my heart has felt that there was a gift of writing and an intention, intuition, I'm sorry, an intuition of sorts into the hearts of others that Christ has quietly been trying to form in me. 
I thought I was following Christ's will with those gifts, but it wasn't until they were taken away from me because of the Lyme's disease that I could truly see that not all the times I was feeling these gifts were of the Lord. I admit in all honesty that there were times when I fell and it was about making a good impression or even wanting to feel important. There was also a growing expectation from other people that knew what God was trying to do in my life. I have had to be stripped of that. Now, I truly have to wait on the Holy Spirit in docility to be his vessel of thoughts and words. It is actually kind of funny to be a part of it because in his goodness, Christ has taken thoughts and words from me to the point where I can't remember simple things or have an entire conversation sometimes without struggling with slurring words or finding the right words. However, when the Lord allows it and wants it, my heart is opened for others in the words he wants me to speak and my hands actually work to write what he asks and to make it even funnier and more humbling and even more confirming that it is of the Lord nine times out of ten I can't remember what I even said or wrote I've been stripped of my friends and my contact with others with many more demands at home now time away from the house is limited I don't see friends often. I don't go many places. Don't even get to daily mass, which my heart has a growing desire for more and more. Errands and trips to the store are usually times of hurry and craziness just to get what we need and get back home. There is now a much greater solitude that the Lord asks of me in a physical sense, but also in my heart. It has been beautiful to see the transformation that it has become not just a voluntary solitude, but a willing solitude. In the solitude, I am loving Christ and united to him in the Eucharist, and I find more and more that I am living as one heart with the Blessed Mother. In the eyes of the world, I am truly becoming nothing. But that has brought a deep correlation of burning love and a greater desire to be united to Christ's Eucharistic heart because he is seen as nothing to the world. He is left alone, wanting and desiring for us to only love him in return through the stripping and purification of not being outside of my home often, the awareness of Christ's solitude in the Eucharist becomes ever more present and consuming 
My heart longs for him, wants to comfort and protect him, and is being purified of my desires so that he can make my heart one with his to love, serve, and intercede for others in this little tabernacle of my ordinary life. No matter what has been taken from my life, what has been purified, or what the Lord is asking of me each day, there is a deep peace and joy that radiates from my heart. You wouldn't know it by the tears, but there is, I promise. <laughs> no, it's not the joy of a constant smile on my face and being the life of the party. It is a deep peace and joy, knowing that I am partaking and sharing in the will of the Eucharistic heart of Christ, not just standing back and receiving. However, sharing also means that I share his struggles. Although there is and should always be peace and joy, being a living host is not all consolations and warm fuzzies. It is a constant closeness and giving up of myself and what I want, completely united to the will of Christ in my life and all of its ordinary humdrum, mundane tasks and to-dos. It is becoming comfortable and accepting all of the trials, problems, issues, and sacrifices of my life in true abandonment because I trust and believe that Christ knows what is best for me even when I don't. And he draws me closer to being his living host and oblation for my family, for others, for the priesthood and the spiritual sons our dear Lord has asked me to care for. I am thankful to God for the blessing and grace of Jack getting sick because I truly think without his illness, Matthew's health issues, as well as my own health issues, my heart would have remained too hard, prideful and blind in a sense, to allow Christ to go deeper in making me his living host. I was reminded in accompaniment how every moment should be a moment of gratitude and thanksgiving, whether it be a moment of goodness and beauty, 
or a moment of struggle and trial. Every breath I take should be thank you, Lord, for this grace. Amen.